0: Turn to the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews. We'll be reading from verse 1 down to verse 11. Or we can read verse 12 as well, or 13. Read verse 13. I'll read it to you. You can follow along in your own Bible, and then we'll look at it together. Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father of the throne of God for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and give up In struggling against sin you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons my son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the one that He loves and punishes every son that He receives. Endure suffering as, a, as, a, as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline... Which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had all human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of the Spirits and live? For when, for they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them. But He does it for our benefit so that we might share His holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your tired hands and your weakened knees. Make straight the paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but healed instead. Amen. I thought that the end bit there was a bit new, on point for some of us. Beloved, we're looking now at the... the, We're wrapping up the book of Hebrews. And the writer here, he's getting into the exhortations. He is getting down to the applications. Remember, he is... Won his case, made his case, pointed out that faith in Jesus Christ and the Christian way is so much more superior than the old way, the traditions, the rituals, any celebrity of the Old Testament. Indeed, he's pointed out that all of the celebrities of the Old Testament, those fathers in the faith, they all were examples. Of the true and real faith that looks forward to Jesus Christ and rests in Him. And he's doing this in order to strengthen them, to boister their confidence, to help them to keep going in the face of persecution, of trial, of suffering. He's reminding them of the worth of this life. The life of faith, of being in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, of justification by faith and faith alone. He is trying to keep them on the path, you know, to strengthen them. And here in this point, he now begins to speak to them very strongly. Now, the portion I should be really looking at is from 4 to 11. And last week I should have included, or last week, the week before, I should have included verse 3 in the first two groups because verse 3 ends verse 1 and 2 but I didn't because I wanted it to conjoin it to add it all into this part because really verse 3 here is the real motivation for Christian living for consider him that is Jesus who endured such hostility against sinners or from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and give up So that you won't grow weary and give up. That's the real danger of a continual threshold of suffering. Is that we grow weary and give up. But why? And it's the act of because they had stopped considering the Lord Jesus Christ. They took their attention, their mind from Him. Now we all know that old verse. The reference is just completely gone. I'll do what the, the, the writer of Hebrews does. It says somewhere in some place by someone. He, who, uh, he will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast upon the Lord. The word perfect peace is shalom, shalom. It is the impossible peace of God. It is a peace that is unattainable for men. Shalom, shalom. It is the absolute peace him whose mind is steadfast upon the Lord. His fantasy is Rooted in. Or held on to. Attached to. In place with. God will keep in perfect peace. Him whose mind. Active mind. His fantasy. Is that part of your mind that's always moving. Never sits still. Even when you're asleep. You're still dreaming. It's still moving. He will keep you in perfect peace. And that is mind and body and soul. How do we... That and it is that we consider, we actively consider, we're actively thinking, we're actively pursuing, we're actively watching the Lord Jesus Christ and not just in some sort of you know, I hate this picture of Jesus with his well shampooed hair and his bathrobe and his little sheep that run around him and he's all hippie in peace. You know, if he had a surfboard behind him, you would think that's a natural picture. Jesus is not like that. And certainly where he is to be our example. And the example of how he lived his life in the face of such great opposition. Of great suffering. Jesus suffered to an extent that you and I, we will never suffer like he suffered for us. You and I will never go through the things that he went through. And yet he was able to do so with grace, with holiness. Never sinned. Jesus suffered not because he did something wrong. Quite the opposite. Because he was sinless. And so we are to consider him. And I think for me that was one of the main points. That I wanted to press on you today. That so often we are overcome. We are worn out and desire to give up. Because we have stopped considering Jesus. We have neglected him and him through his word. The, the, the... <laughs> mm, I love that girl. Ruby. Legend. <laughs> that we're focusing on Jesus. That we don't forget and we don't give up. And how do we find him through... Be- constantly feeding upon the word of God by seeing him as he has represented himself through the word not in an imaginary Jesus not going to a prayer meeting or some kind of worship meeting love songs where we're we're kind of Ooh, and trying to meet Jesus existentially somewhere you know he's got to come in Not like one of those blasphemers and liars and false prophets who tell us that they met Jesus in the bathroom as they were shaving and Jesus gave them advice on how to shave. Nonsense. As God has revealed Christ through the Word, we seek Him and think of Him and, and see Him as our example and we learn from Him and we're encouraged. If Jesus could do that, and Jesus emptied Himself of all of His power and He rested And he depended on, depended, depended, that sounds wrong, depended, anyway, he depended depended on God's power, on the Holy Spirit's power, and Don's thinking, is that right? I don't know either, He, he was greatly dependent on God's power it's very easy for us to foolishly say, well, that was Jesus, and he's special. He was God, and he had supernatural powers that we don't have. Beloved, that's not so. Jesus endured, well, it is so, but he didn't endure the suffering, the shame, the hardship, the anguish, the agony in his own strength, like, you know, and walk through. The Bible says he was crushed for our transgressions. The Bible says that he knew suffering like no other man had ever known suffering. And he was dependent in the same way that you and I are dependent. The same resources that you and I have, he had. He didn't have special treatment. God didn't give him special treatment. So we are to consider Jesus Christ and, and the circumstances of his suffering. And how he was victorious in his faith. In his walking with God, in his overcoming the circumstances, so that he did not grow weary. And that's a hard word weary, tired, bone tired. Like, (sighs) you see no future, you have no hope, there is no prospects. All you see is the same, the same, the same. And it's getting worse and worse. It's getting smaller and tighter and just ah, dry and dusty. You don't want to be there. Weary. You haven't got the ability to get off the sofa. You haven't got the ability to get out of bed in the morning. Life is just one dull, boring routine. Weary. But the Bible says the cure to that is to consider the Lord Jesus Christ. And him who overcame all these things. He endured us hostility. The idea of hostility is violence. Not just physical violence, but hatred. To be at enmity, in a state of enemies, enemieship. Jesus overcame them. And so can we. It's there for us. So We're not to grow weary or to prevent that. We are to think of the Lord Jesus Christ and allow that to nourish our soul. To give us hope. To give us the fuel to carry on. To be able to come to him. Let's stop considering the people around us. Let's stop considering ourselves or our situation. No one knows the problems I've seen. No one knows the pain I feel. So often we get caught in that trap. You know the Bible says that the, the fear of man is a snare, a trap. The snare is the idea of a bird trap that catches around the leg of an animal, it up in the air. And it's almost impossible for the animal to get itself out of it. Oftentimes the animal has to chew off its own leg or something. Or if it's round the animal's neck, it chokes it to death. A snare wasn't just simply a a way of holding an animal. It was also a way of killing an animal. And the Bible says that the fear of man is a snare. It will kill you in the end. It will lead to your destruction. And that comes about you considering, caring, worrying, constantly revisiting what you think that others feel or say or something about you. The Bible says that you're to stop considering others. And I don't mean in a sense of being good to one another. But what they think. What they feel. What you feel that they feel. What you think they think. Being caught in that worry. Stop that. Worry more about what the Lord Jesus Christ thinks and feels and says and does. Rather than your own situation or the situation of others. Fix and focus your mind upon him. Be steadfast in the Lord. In order that you might not give up. Isn't it frightening and sad when Christians give up? I don't mean fall away from the faith. But they just stop coming to church. They just stop with the Christian life. They just stop. And I have experienced. It has been my experience as a pastor. That people who give up. Don't necessarily stop coming to meetings. People who give up. Don't Don't leave churches they come but all they are then is they're a seat warmer they're a mannequin that takes up space you know what I mean by a mannequin one of those really incredibly nice looking dolls you see in clothes shops that they dress You know, Christians who have given up become mannequins they take up space but they're vacant there's nothing inside them they have no hope, no future, no plan, no purpose they don't go on with the Lord they've just given up Lord I'm waiting for you to come come Lord come I'm waiting on you, and they don't enjoy the blessing of the Lord anymore. They don't know the life. They don't know the passion. They have <laughs> given up. But beloved, the answer that the answer to that is to consider the Lord Jesus Christ, Him who is your example, Him who is your your. The Bible says here in verse two, He is the the. Source and the perfecter of your faith. It is from him you receive your energy, and it is him who is working upon you. Don't give up nor give in. Don't become weary. Don't give up. So that was the end of the, the message that I want to preach two weeks ago. Now we're looking now at the other exhortations, the commands that the Holy Spirit, through the writer, is speaking to the church. Down throughout all the ages and into eternity. Verse 4. In struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Think about that. Think about that. The idea here is, um, in order to maintain the Christian life, you have to break the law. And he's saying, that you guys, haven't, you, you guys haven't even experienced that yet. You don't know what real suffering is, as it is right now. You're protected. And then in verse five, he goes to this, "You have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. So they're well ready to give up and to give in. They're ready to turn back. They're ready to compromise. Remember what was happening, There was the pressures. Of they were leaving Judaism, leaving Judaism, the traditions, the the rituals, the ceremonies, and their relatives and their neighbors were despising them because of it. And there was a lot of uncomfortable silences. A lot of you know, you think of the whole neighborhoods going up to the temple to worship, to offer up sacrifices for their sins. And you out of your entire neighborhood or you out of your entire family group are the only one not going up to the temple. Why? Because Jesus is your sacrifice. (laughs) All my sins have been washed away. I am forgiven. I have absolute reconciliation with God. And the sacrifice of a bull or a goat or a sheep or a dove is meaningless. The only sacrifice that God requires is Jesus. You can imagine that your family would be slightly offended by that. That all of their good deeds, all of their efforts, all of their religious actions are now worthless. And so the believers are enduring this kind of animosity and shame. And he's reminding them, the writer, the Holy Spirit through the writer is reminding him: listen, at this point you haven't even resisted to the point of shedding blood. At this point, it's just all fear and and uh, feelings and odd quiet silence. As maybe someone has said something against you, maybe someone is speaking against you behind your back or something. But still, there is a far worse aspect. And even though you're you're only enduring these small things, you're ready to give up. You're weary. And you're ready to give up. And he points out this fact. And then he goes, verse 5, and he says that you have forgotten. And that's the very first thing. Remember, they had stopped considering the Lord Jesus Christ. They were focusing more on their sufferings, focusing more on their situation. They had stopped considering Christ. And the very first point here he makes is they had forgotten. Human beings, we are tremendous at forgetting. I've forgotten more than I remember. We are continually forgetting. And that's one of the reasons why we are exhorted in Scripture, commanded, strongly urged to continually read Scripture and memorize Scripture. How can a young man keep his way clean by meditating upon your word? Beloved, we, we here are human beings and fallible and frail. We must remember that we are able to forget. Hosea 4 and 6, love that verse. It's constantly in my mind these days. My people are quickly destroyed because of lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest before me. You and your children. It's a paraphrase, but that's what it says. Lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected, because you don't know or that you... Don't remember. You're, it's no longer real to you. You are quickly destroyed. Again, we have, we have a, 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 a border game person here. And one of the great lessons that Martin taught me was, he who knows the rules wins. He who knows the rules wins. If you're playing a board game and you don't know the rules, and someone says to you, well, there is this rule and it means that i get all the money all the pieces and i win and you're like what? And you say, no, it's in the rules it's in the rules what? if i do this i win but if you don't know what the rules say you can't you can't uh, object to that beloved you and i we need to remember constantly be being reminded of what the bible says Says about Lord Jesus Christ. Being constantly reminded of what God has done for us and being constantly reminded of the gospel. It's one of the reasons why we have preachers, why God instituted the, the, the position of elder and preacher, is to remind the church of God continually, to continually feed his people with the knowledge of what the Bible says. Beloved, let me ask you have you forgotten? What Christ has done for you, is doing for you, and has prepared for you a table in the presence of your enemies. Whatever your enemies might be, physical or mental. We are to remember this exhortation. And he goes on, and he quotes from the Old Testament. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly. When you forget what God says, you have a tendency to take what God has said in the Bible lightly. Do you know what it means to take something lightly? To not care. It's not important to you. You dust it off like like snow in in, in the winter time. It's not, not really like dust in the summertime. Like sand on your feet at the beach, you dust it off. It doesn't really matter. It's like when a person that you don't care about, you don't know, says something to you, and you can just dust it off. You just the the comment doesn't have any importance to you because you don't care. One of the fruits of not remembering or choosing to forget God's word, and the sacrifice of Christ for you and on your behalf, is that you take God's word too lightly. And if you have kids, you know about this. And even if you've been a kid, I guess you know this too. You know, your parent says to do something and you don't do it. Empty the dishwasher. A will in a minute. A will in a minute. Takes it too lightly. Because you know there there probably will not be consequences. You, you push the envelope, you push the, the borders back further and further, and you take it too lightly because you don't really think there's going to be any consequences if in your disobedience. You can get away with it. You got away with it in the past. You'll get away with it in the future. So we see this on an earthly level, don't we? That what it means to take it lightly. And if you don't know what God says... And if you don't know the the principles by which He has called you to live, and you have just conveniently forgotten them, one of the ways we'll see that you have conveniently forgotten what God has said is, how lightly you take His commands, how lightly your walk is with Him, how quickly you compromise, how quickly you flip The Bible says that we should not take the Lord's discipline lightly. Do not think you'll get away with it. Do not think that you can keep neglecting it, neglecting it, neglecting it, neglecting it, and there won't be a consequence. God is a good Father. And He's doing these things. I I think we've talked about these in the past. That God... God reproves his children for three reasons. First to punish them. Second, to prevent them from doing something. And the third is to educate them in order that they might know the there is a better way. Job, think of that example. God bless Job. Here, beloved the consequence of for choosing to forget God's word, for, of forgetting the example of the Lord Jesus Christ and the seriousness, the seriousness of sin is that you begin to take it too lightly. You think, well, God doesn't really care. He not no, lightning bolt has come from heaven and struck me down. No, meteorite has hit me. God hasn't appeared or sent an angel or a donkey and said, Hold on. God doesn't obviously care if I watch something on TV or my phone that He doesn't want me to see. He doesn't really care if my, the routines of my life are not God honoring. He doesn't really care if I neglect the gathering together of the believers. Doesn't really care what I spend my money on. Doesn't really care how I speak to the other sex, or coarse joking, coarse joking, rude jokes doesn't care what I read. God doesn't care. Because if he did, he'd say something. We take it lightly. Because we feel that because we've got away with something in the past, we'll continually keep getting... But you must understand that God has a red line. God will graciously say, don't do that. It's in the Word. You say, well, I didn't know it said in the Word. I didn't know the rules, so how can I be held accountable? But God has put the rules in a book. God has put His ways, His precepts, His statutes there, and He has made them available for you to read. If you seek them, you will find them. But I, I, I remember talking to one of the pastors here in town, and we were talking, and I I, I began to quote scripture, and he put his up, put up his hand, like almost in front of my mouth, and he said, "Don't don't say that." I said, "What he means is because if you say that and I know it, then I'll have to do something about it." And I don't want to know. Because he thought ignorance was an excuse, it would be give him the freedom to continue in the pattern that was unbiblical. But God does not accept that. We might take disobedience lightly, but God does not take it lightly. And any good father doesn't take disobedience lightly. There was there will always be a limit. So beloved, we are commanded here not to take the Lord's discipline lightly. The sufferings, the difficulties, the problems that we endure in our lives are often a sign, an indication that God is at work in our life. He is shaping us and reproving us. He's molding us and making us into the likeness of His own Son. There are aspects of our personality, parts of our lives that don't bring him glory. And he's actively involved. Now like children, we might not understand. You know, we have small kids and they have their phones and their devices. And uh, my lovely wife, more than I, because I am a bad father. My lovely wife will say to them, get off your phone. Get off your phone. Why? Because you've been on it like six hours. Get off your phone. Why? The child doesn't understand that they can't sit like this all the time. You can't be on your phone all the time. There is a limit. And parents understand this and know that, that children have to go outside. They have to exercise. They have to do stuff. They have to be with people who are not on YouTube or whatever else they do on. There are influences in that online media world that are not good for them. And as parents, we understand that. As grown-ups, we understand that. And we put limits to that. And we say, this far, no further. The kids don't understand, do they? They just want to play. They want to do what they want to do. You want to do what you want to do all the time. And now they don't understand, but... 10 years and 20 years when they have kids of their own and they, they grow up and they understand and they get the maturity and the insight and are able to look back and say to themselves, yeah, that was, I needed that. That which I could not do for myself. I needed someone outside myself to look in and see my behavior, what I was doing, and put a limitation on that. And God does that to us. God is active in your life, even if you don't see Him, even if you're not aware of Him. And He will constantly, continually guide you, lead you, prevent you from entering into areas. Now He may allow you to stumble into sin once, twice, three, four times, whatever it is. But there will come a reckoning. God will intervene. He will cause your world to go through a a shake-up or a cool-down. I often think God puts us in the corner. Let's us cool down. He hides, the Bible says, He hides His face from us so that we no longer feel that connection and we must turn to Him. Seek Him. Beloved, do not take the Lord's reproof, Lord's discipline lightly, or lose heart when you are reproved by Him. Oftentimes, when Christians go through suffering. When we suffer in our lives. Not necessarily when people are against us. Not like persecution. But suffering. Sore foots, Situations. Whatever we're going through. In life. Boredom. One of the things I suffer terribly from is boredom. I get bored really easily. My mind is too. And I, I, I'm the worst. My wife is a saint. Because when I get bored, I'm the most annoying person in the world. I must find something to do. It's one of the reasons why I paint small things to focus my attention so I don't I don't get overly bored, find stimulation and something. But when we are reproved by the Lord, we must not lose heart. That is like, do you know if someone that you really love and respect and uh, they say something to you that's, not necessarily hurtful, but truthful. And it's like someone guts you. You, know, you ever heard the expression, I'm gutted? I'm gutted! Oh! That person, you know, your breath smells. You are know, whatever. And you're, oh. You feel like someone's come along with an ice cream scoop and just scooped out your inside. And you're like, oh! Losing heart. Deflated. Somehow in some way knocked back and afraid to continue. But the Bible says and exhorts us that we're not to give up. Even when we are treating God lightly, God doesn't treat us lightly. Even when we're disinterested in Him and in some way leaving him God is never leaving us he's never disinterested in us he's never unfaithful to us he is the shepherd of our souls he is the father of our faith he is the one who is here with us guiding us and leading us and is constantly active in our lives in all of our situations in all of our sufferings so don't lose heart don't look at your problem and think it's a mountain it's so big. It's like an eclipse of the sun. I live in a dark, dark world, and there is no hope. Don't say that. Don't think that. Don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. Look unto Jesus, and remember and recognize that what He endured for us, secured for us our our sonship, our relationship, our reconciliation. And that God is not punishing you in a judgmental fashion, but in a parental. Remember that judicially, all of your sins were laid upon Jesus Christ, and He paid for them all. So, God's not going to punish you again for sins that were already punished in Jesus, but He will discipline you. As one who loves you, He will protect you from yourself, He will protect you from those circumstances. Now, if you sin, he will seriously allow you to suffer the consequences of your sin. Think of David and Bathsheba. Isn't that a great example? A king who oversteps, his, commits adultery, commits murder. God sends. Is it Nathaniel or Nathan? One of the prophets. Nathan sends Nathan there to call David back. And David suffers the consequences of his sin. Baby dies. Baby dies. So beloved, don't lose heart. Don't give up. And if you find yourself in that situation, if you find, if you recognize your situation right now, your walk right now, you look in the Scriptures and God's showing you this is where you're at, this is what you're doing, The way out is easy. Consider Him. Consider Him. Look on to Jesus. Search for Him in the Scriptures. Get on your knees and pray. Go for a walk in the forest. That's what I do. Lord. Oh Lord. Bible says here in verse 6. For the Lord Disciplines the ones that he loves. And punishes every son that he receives. Isn't that good? Isn't that wonderful? God is active in your life. That he is watching over you and protecting you. And when you go through these circumstances. These sufferings. These reprovings. Whether... Whatever they might be in your situation, and we all have individual situations, all have individual circumstances. But the common thread is that if you are one of His, God is in your life, and He is molding you and using these circumstances to shape you, preventing you, teaching you, educating you, wanting you to become stronger. We would all know that the only way to gain muscle in the gym and become stronger is to add weight to the bar. Isn't that right? The only way to to grow physically is to uh, add more resistance. If you want to become a marathon runner, running 100 meters every day is not going to cut it. You have to add a few kilometers every day to your run or every week to your run in order that you're able to cope. To, to gain the stamina to be able to run those 26 miles, I think it is, whatever it is in kilometers, I don't know. God wants to help you and is helping you. And don't don't despise the circumstances that you're in. Don't despise the suffering that you're going through. But rather see it as a gift from God's hand in order to bring you to Him in order to help you to be stronger in order to grow your experience with Him that you might know Him all the more intimately beloved is God trying to get your attention is God trying to prevent you from making some terrible mistake I remember a a joke a pastor once told me and and, uh, uh, we were talking about uh, congregation members who just would never learn. And he told me a joke that there was a man in a truck on a dark stormy night and he was driving along. And as he was driving, a a deer ran across the front and oh, he stopped the car and his heart was bumping and the rain was splashed, And he was like, oh my goodness. But he thought, oh, it's, it's such a frightening, scary night. I'll keep going. And as he was driving along, there, as he was driving further down the road, there was a, uh, a bus had broke down and, and there was all these kids and, and they were changing the tire and he stopped and he says, do you need any help? And they were like, no, we're okay. But you know, blah, blah. And he thought to himself, I should stop. I should help them, but it's a dark rainy night. I should carry on going. And he drove on further, and as he was driving, he saw an ambulance and the lights flashing and everything else. And, and uh, the, the, the ambulance people were was a car wreck, and they were putting the person in. The, and he thought, I should stop and see if they need any help or anything gets here. And, and uh, he said, But it's raining, it's dark, and oh, oh, I'm sure the ambulance drivers have it no problem. And he carried on, and as he drove on, and he, there was the bridge ahead, and he drove. And, drove up to the bridge but a flood had come and knocked the bridge out and the car went off the bridge and he died he, and he went up to heaven and he stood for and said Lord why, why didn't you try and stop me Lord from going to the bridge the Lord, Lord said I sent a deer I sent a bus I sent an ambulance I sent all these things in your way to hinder you and to stop you but you just drove around them carried on God was actively at work in that man's experience, in that man's life. And yet, because uh, he despised the circumstances and lacked the sensitivity, he ended up driving off the road. And God often does that in our lives. He sends circumstances and situations to slow us down, to prevent us, to contain us, to protect us from something that's ahead of us. Some circumstance that we don't see. It's like the man banging on the cage door wanting to get in, not realizing there's a lion inside the cage. Why can't I go in there? Why can't I go in there? I can do whatever I want. I want to go in this cage. There's a lion in the cage. They'll go in the cage. Beloved, don't despise the circumstances that you're in and don't take them too lightly. Ask yourself, Lord, what are you teaching? And then grow in grace. Accept them. Be the master of your circumstance and overcome them. It says in verse 7, Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? And again, beloved, it's the idea that God is dealing with you. You might not understand it. No child understands discipline, do they? They cry, they stamp their foot, they shout, they misbehave, they huff. I hate the huffy ones. They don't appreciate the effort that the parent is making. And we as Christians, we as people, as human beings, you know, even though we're mature, in our relationship to God and our spiritual lives, we are still but small children. And oftentimes we see it as punishment. We see it as hardship. We see it as uncomfortable. The word discipline here, I think it's the paideia, paideia, and it's the word for training. It's the word for studentness. It comes from the, word, the Greek word pious, child, child training. How to train a child, to educate. So when God is disciplining us, He is educating us. It's the idea of a a sports professional, a master and a a coach, I guess you would call him, training the small children. And he's teaching them how to kick a ball. You ever seen children kick balls? It does not come naturally. You know, you see like 15 of them chasing the ball all around. They don't understand to pass the ball from one to another. So you have like this little herd of children, this little flock of children chasing a ball. Same in martial arts. To learn to kick someone or punch someone does not come naturally. You have to learn those techniques. And in the Christian life, it does not come naturally. You must learn. And God is the one who is teaching you. To be more than just head knowledge, to be life knowledge. And you might say, well, I've been in the faith 30-something years. I've learned all my lessons. For as long as you are alive, there are lessons to learn. For all of your comfortableness with Christ, are you taking Him lightly or are you comfortable? Hmm. Hmm. There are lessons to be learned. There are depths to be explored. There are requirements that God requires of you. God doesn't want you to stay a baby all of your Christian life. He desires for you to grow into a mature adult in the things of God. Someone whom he can trust and work together with in this world. We used to say way back in the day that God doesn't give a shotgun to a small child. You know, talking about the gospel and, and in the sense that God doesn't just give the authority of the word to anybody. But he looks for mature and responsible individuals to be able to give that authority to. People who have learned their lessons, who have walked with the Lord. And beloved, if you in your life today are going through circumstances, situations, difficulties, sufferings, things that are... Feeling like you're being punished for some reason? Are you being reproved? Is God disciplining you? Do not despise it, but rather endure it. Persevere. Enjoy it. It says there in verse 2 that Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, and then he sat down at the right hand of the throne, the right hand of God. Beloved, don't despise the situation, the circumstances that you're in. Don't despise the disciplining of the Lord, and it's something that is we, as is all, all of we, all of us as Christians, experience in one shape, form, or fashion. Consider Him. Refresh your mind. Refresh your heart. Read the scriptures, not just for theological reasons, not just as a daily act, not just to get all the answers so you can have conversations with people. Well, it says here and you pull out this card, you know. I, I see your predestination and I raise it something, something else. Ha <laughs> ha. Read it to discover the Lord Jesus Christ. Read it to see what God requires from you. Read it so that you might live together with Him in perfect harmony. Beloved, the Lord loves you as a father loves his child. And he's active in your life. Look to Jesus, who is our example. So you might not grow weary and give up. If you have been taking the Lord's reproof too lightly, or should I say, thinking that you're getting away with godless living, careless Christianity, wake up. Wake up. Because there is a red line. That God will not let you cross. cross, And there will be consequences to that. Do not lose heart. He loves you. And is active in your life. Amen. Let's pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father. We would ask you to help us. We would ask you to help us. In our day to day living, Lord, all of us in our lives endure something. All of us, Lord, suffer in some way. And all of us, Lord, have the tendency to forget who you are and what you've said, to grow cold in our passion and in our enthusiasm towards you, and to grow distant and to fall away, to backslide in some sense. Lord, we pray because we know that it is not your desire that we would be far and distant. We know, Lord, that you require us and need us and desire us to be beloved children, the apple of your eye. Lord, we pray that you would help us. We understand we are huffy, disobedient, rebellious children constantly trying to flee from you. Lord, draw us, open up our eyes. Holy Spirit, refresh and revive our hearts that we might repent of our behavior and not just feel bad about it, but Lord, make changes. Change our routines. Lord, add to it. Put away other things. Mortify our flesh. Lord, please, we pray that you would illustrate the Lord Jesus Christ before our eyes internally Lord that we would know him and we would care about him and the Lord we would be inspired by his example oh Lord Jesus be real to us be more than uh, just a, a theological discussion be more than just a moral ethics oh God please be real to us that we might live lives that bring glory to your name, that we might know you in the true and real fashion, that Lord, we might explore the depths of this Christian experience. Oh, Lord, Lord, we ask this for your glory and your glory alone in Jesus' precious name. Amen.